I am Hello Mark Harley. I'm still here despite all the haters' best efforts to try to take me down and ruin my self-esteem and downvote me on Spotify and send me threatening messages. Oh, it didn't work. Here I am doing another podcast. And guess what? I'm feeling pretty good. Do you know, Casey, one thing we'll get to in a sec, but I'm often accused of having mental illness. That tracks. In, in the fighter and the kid separate, right. <laughs> no, right? But you'd, you'd know more specifically. I like when people throw out, he's obviously suffering from mental illness. Can you be more specific? Yeah. I know a little bit about mental illness. You know, am I schizophrenic? Am I a narcissist? Do, do you know what the diagnostic criteria of narcissism is? Can you name the nine traits that five out of which you would have to apply to someone in order to diagnose them if you were in fact a psychotherapist or a psychological professional? So we'll get into that in a second. You know, we'll get into some diagnosable dark triad personality traits and how that might apply to individuals in my life and yours and the kind of behavior that you participate in online. But that's a really in-depth discussion that I think is quite frankly very fascinating, very relevant to the modern age, very relevant to my life. But if you believe right now that I have a mental illness, I want you to put it down below. I want you to put the five out of nine, if it's narcissism, if it's something else, I want you to make your case that I am mentally ill, mentally unstable, or uh, you know, have any evidence whatsoever that my behavior, either in person or in line, is indicative of some sort of psychological deviation from the norm. And being super smart doesn't count, okay? All right. Let's get on to the Liver King meme of the week. Because this was so fascinating to me, I actually ended up defending the Liver King online to another person attacking me for posting the Liver King. So a little bit of background. I saw this, you know, I haven't watched the full episode of the Liver King going on Jake Paul. I believe this uh, is his first podcast interview episode, uh, unless somebody can correct me, but he actually references it here. Like I'd never go on a podcast or whatever. Now, if you know this podcast, you know that we give a lot of shit to the Liver King because he is somebody who says he's natural and he's not right? That's kind of the extent of this joke or this issue that I have with them. And I've got over it many times, but when it comes to his training methodology, I see a lot of things that I admire. When it comes to his eating practices and what he promotes as part of his business, I'm agnostic. I don't know. I'm, I cannot say and look at it and, and think that uh, it's ineffective or dangerous because as a case study of one, if this is somehow deadly, well, he's still alive, right? Uh, if it's somehow working against your muscle gains, well, it would seem to not be the case because he's an extremely muscular man for someone who's on steroids or not. If you've ever taken steroids or you know a little bit more about that world, yes, he is enhanced, but also you simply can't get to that level of muscle size definition and density without working really, really hard and having your diet specifically on point. So there's a lot to be impressed by and I always try my best as a human to compartmentalize the critiques I might have about somebody and separate that from the things that I can admire and it's almost like a test for me, right? It's almost something that I, I've learned over the years that I, because first you notice it in other people where you go, oh, you're taking this little issue with somebody. You don't like how they dress, for example. And you use that as a synecdoche, which is mistaking a part for the whole or using a part of a thing for a whole. 
um, Synecdoche, New York, great movie by Charlie Kaufman. Don't get it, but you know, maybe someday after reputed viewing, I will. It's a life, uh, it's a movie about a guy's life that's like, you've seen it, okay. I should have known, Casey. Um, no, but like, Charlie Kaufman's awesome. I love so many of his movies. This one was like, yeah, that I, people gave you money for that, huh? Yeah, I believe that was also his directorial debut. Right. His yes. A, a it's like more writer. impressive than watchable, you know, in a lot of ways. Like, and I, I do, I really enjoyed the movie, but it was like, you almost see how his brain works in the sense that it's drawn to fractals, you know, of like, I'm building a thing that is going to constitute a larger thing made up of these things and that thing is going to, you know, when I see his stuff, it's like, obviously this guy's a genius by any stretch, you know, anyone's reasonable definition. But uh, that word is just always stuck with me because it does often apply to real life, even though it's not a very common word. And uh, he's also swapping out the real life city of Schenectady, New York. Now, in this instance, I'm referring to people who, I would hear people judge other people for a component of their personality or a single behavior or you don't like their face or you don't like the way they dress. And now they're attacking that person or saying, you're a bad person because uh, you know, you're ugly or you're a bad person because look at the way you dress and you're a douche, whatever that means. You know, because that's obviously a subjective interpretation of something that you're looking at. And I remember thinking from a very young age, that bothers me that people do that because uh, if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, you know that people can dismiss you all the time for one thing, right? And I, in particular, feel like I have this comment from people which is, oh, I assume this about you and then I got to know you and you were more like this or you, know, you surprised me in a positive way. Now, I can say that knowing that people aren't necessarily gonna say, you surprised me in a negative way. I thought you were gonna be smart and nice, but you're a stupid dick, right? You don't get a lot of that, but you get enough of the other side to realize, or maybe that would get around to you eventually, or people would stop being friends with you at some point. So I say all that in a roundabout way to set up the fact that it's very important to me as a value to not dismiss everything the liver king does just because he lies about having steroids for whatever reason, steroids in a system, using steroids, and, uh, and sell stuff, which I think is unethical, but I, I do like him as an influencer. I can't help but, but like and be drawn to him in part because just training intensity alone is one of those things that needs to be modeled for young men. I was talking about this with Noel Leva's dad this morning when we did a shot of video together. We did a glute workout with uh, his daughter. He was great to talk to because we both kind of share that, you know, old school attitude of like, you know, when I was alive or when I was started lifting and all we had were brontosaurus steaks and mud for pre-workout and the asteroid hit the earth and wiped out all the smaller bodybuilders and therefore we were the only ones left. It's, it's fun to reminisce about that kind of uh, folklore, but we have some of these same principles about, you know, working your ass off and knowing what it feels like to go really, really hard, which is going to be, you can tell me what your program is and what the sets and reps are. If somebody can't measure their own intensity and understand what it is like to go to failure, you're never probably going to succeed. So that's almost like the key variable is your willingness to push yourself through discomfort while working out. Because you, if, you're, if you push yourself really hard, even one set, you can accomplish a lot. But if you're not willing to work hard, you can do a million sets and reps and won't gain much. So all that being said, 
The Liver King works his ass off. Let's watch this reel. But when I got the opportunity to come on here, I, was, I told my wife, I mean, everybody knew like Liver King was never going to go on a podcast. <laughs> I was never going to do this fucking show. I was never going to do social media, never do a podcast. And now I have the opportunity to tell millions of people how they can optimize their own life. So you asked me if I've always been like this guy. Number one, no. When you figure out that you can live this way and you're geometrically happier, and then you see it touch other people's lives, and you see that kid, Saul, who ran across the Brooklyn Bridge, and you hear 15-year-olds on Instagram telling you that you that they wish you were their dad? I mean, th this, this like changes the whole fucking game. I wish you were my dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's kind of a wholesome clip, actually. And I feel like he's sincere when he's saying that. Like he, he said, I, I said I'd never do social media, I'd never do a podcast, and here I am, and you know, the reasons why or it feels really good um you know when when people tell you i want you to be my dad and that's something that people like young people will tell me sometimes and it's funny but it's also like it is an acknowledgement of like i'm glad you look up to me that feels good and i've always worked with uh you know tutored taught and coached from basically from like 19 to you know 28 almost i i worked with with young men in some capacity and it is fulfilling you know it is something that it feels good to have guys look up to you and feel like you're sincerely passing on good information to them in the areas that you can i don't know about everything but i do know enough about hey you want to put on some muscle you want to like be less awkward around girls find somebody else because i'm super awkward around girls but you know i can maybe point you to that person and, uh, you know, in this instance, I go, man, I can relate to that guy. And so I posted it like, yes, <laughs> normally I'm just shitting out the Liver King. And we do this, this segment every Liver King meme of the week because it's funny and I love him. But, um, you know, that was just a moment of sincerity. So I post that. This is such a long-winded explanation, but I want to give the appropriate context because I also don't want to say, have it seem like I'm, you know, just taking a big fat dump on the person who wrote me. When I, when I posted this, a woman wrote me to say like, essentially, I can't believe you're spreading this dangerous disinformation. And I really tried to avoid having this immediate knee-jerk pushback of like, F you, like you suck. You. I do go to her page and I see that, okay, you've got, you know, the plant in your bio and a unicorn and this and that. And again, I try to take in that information about who this person is and where they're coming from and, and not... Uh, necessarily use that to like attack them but I go okay she's vegan you know what I mean and I can see why you know you're coming at it from this perspective or you would have perhaps an emotional response to this but I try to engage and that sort of looks like uh you know when somebody makes a claim about being dangerous first of all it's a little bit rude to just be like you're spreading dangerous misinformation it's like I don't what did he even say in that I, like he's <laughs> he's saying I'm going on social media so it's like you can't like pass on a message from a person that also has messages that you disagree with and I kind of but I will push back to, because you got to get specific when you get into this war of like generalities and somebody's going like you're bad spreading disinformation like if you're too general, you're going to go, no, you're bad at spreading disinformation. But if you can break it down to something more specific and say, what exactly are you referring to? What is dangerous about what he's doing? And honestly, I don't know. So I don't know what she's saying. And I don't know either way, you know, if this is dangerous or not, except that there are people out there who exclusively eat meat and carnivore diets and also exclusively eat organ meats, I guess. And I've actually read a while back this kind of first 
opened my mind to this possibility that it could be healthy is this guy like cured a bunch of autoimmune diseases. That's kind of something you hear a lot like, you know, uh, Michaela Peterson, is that her name? Uh, Jordan Peterson's daughter and, and, and also him, you know, cured autoimmune uh, diseases and diseases of inflammation, although I, I supposedly all disease is sort of rooted in some form of inflammation. But it's like, it sounds crazy because, well, if it works for that person and he's still eating goat livers every night, like, I guess it works because everything else you tried on traditional medicine didn't. So it sounds crazy. And I know I've talked to vegans before where I go like, oh, this person, you know, Joe Rogan's doing a carnivore diet for this month. And they're like, well, he's going to die. But then they don't die. And you're like, well, the vegan was wrong. Eh. I'm not saying everything about veganism is wrong, but we had this conversation in which I'm challenging her to give me information and data or an article or some sort of evidence that this kills people. And what she basically came up with after repeatedly kind of being like, I'm looking for evidence, I'm looking for evidence, I'm looking for evidence. And she's like kind of repeating her little thing, which is, you're dangerous, you shouldn't be spreading, I unfollowed you because I used to like you, and now this, and you know, I'm kind of going, that seems kind of like an emotional knee-jerk reaction. So she finally gets to the point where she goes, look, E. coli can be in raw meat. And I'm like, okay, so just to be clear, that's your point. That's your, this is dangerous moment. And here's my proof is a link to show that sometimes, and it was like a Wikipedia, like sometimes E. coli can be in raw meat um, or salmonella or whatever it is that we get from, you know, fish, eggs, salmon, um, or ground beef, you know, it's not cooked all the way through. And so I looked up, you know, I remember this, this, I like having devastating rebuttals. So I look up spinach, E. coli, and I send it back to her and I go, looks like veganism is just as dangerous. A gadoosh! And she didn't like that. She didn't accept the terms of, you know, me rebutting in the same exact fashion that she presented it to me because she wasn't giving me any context of here's the percentage of people that die from these diseases that are present in meat at a rate that's much greater than, but E. coli can exist on spinach too. So if there's some chance of it and you're using the logic of sometimes people get sick from meat and I can go, well, sometimes people get sick from plants, then I kind of neutralized your argument, right? So <laughs> to wrap it up, that is my story about arguing with a vegan. Do I think veganism is bad? I don't know. But I do know when I watch movies like The Game Changers, which I did, and for a while that was like the vegan doc du jour where you go, if you watch it, you're going to convert. Oh my God. What my takeaway, there's lots of interesting components of that documentary. What my takeaway was, they showcase certain people and it's like, hey, cool, if you have unlimited resources, if you're an NFL player and your wife's a professional chef, veganism sounds great. If you can rely on somebody having a full-time job to cook food that tastes like meat-based food for you every day as a professional athlete, and you never even have to think about the preparation of said food, put whatever you want in front of my face and I'll eat it. But when I have to think about more practical considerations, then it does start to break down. And then we do start to, you know, like gender roles almost, uh, uh, when you look at sort of like third world countries or places where there's less, less wealth and just, you know, the struggle to survive every day is greater. I think people make less ideal, ideological choices about what they eat because it is ultimately a luxury. So I guess I'm just grateful that I live in a country where I have the option to be vegan and you have the option to be vegan or eat meat or do whatever. So for now, my stance is do whatever you want. Don't DM me to argue with some BS.
Now, if you are here listening and wondering why I sound so awesome today, well, it's probably because I took some happy hippocratum right before we went to record. And it's something I use before every podcast because it feels like coffee and puts me in a good mood and I really like it and it's a natural substance. And the highest quality ingredients are what I crave when I take this stuff. So naturally, I'd go to happyhippoherbals.com because I've not tried other Kratom products. I actually tried another one this weekend because a friend brought it to me and first of all, I drank it and it was disgusting. <laughs> and then secondly, the dose of this thing was really off and it didn't make me feel well. I don't mean to like, I'm obviously not mentioning the brand, but I was like, oh, I take for granted that this stuff is really good from Happy Hippo, but it is. It's appropriately dosed. It tastes really great, which again, you can't take for granted apparently because I wanted to spit this stuff out and uh, it, it, it helps me out as a nootropic. So I hope that you take the time to just look at the website. Can you do that for me? Can you click out of here and go to the website and go to happyhippoherbals.com and use promo code THICKBOY3Cs for 20% off? Because you like whatever you see. It's like, oh, that stuff I want to get. It's 100 bucks in total. How about 80? You got it. See you next time. So you know what was cool? is I talked to Ricardo, my man from Oak and Stone recently, and I probably talked about how last week uh, my client Paul had an issue with a shirt. And honestly, I forget if I just talked to Ricardo or Paul about this, but he accidentally ordered the wrong size and couldn't figure out how to cancel the order. Uh, so he called up and he got Ricardo on the line. And he was like, that is so cool that I got to talk to the owner. And that is cool. But it also speaks to what I've been telling you guys, which this is a small business. This is owned, run, and operated by a small group of passionate individuals. And I think that is reflected in the clothing. And my wardrobe is run by one person who's very passionate uh, about looking cool. And that's why you see me today in these layers and just go, like, wait a second, did Mark get a makeover? Because all of a sudden, I want to make out with him. And I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter what your gender is because that's a normal response to have as a human being, seeing somebody layering a flannel over a long sleeve with long hair and living near enough to the mountains where you don't know if I'm going to take off at snowboard today. You don't know if I'm going to go to the beach, but it would all be appropriate in the context of looking at me and seeing somebody who's just dressed like an absolute successful stud. Now, am I that? I don't know, but I give the appearance of such and perhaps people will respond to me differently based on that perception. Rest in peace, Kevin Samuels. He's an image consultant. If you were alive today, he would be telling you to buy Oak and Stone clothing at oakandstoneclothing.com and use Hella, H-E-L-L-A, at checkout for 10% off and make sure to message Ricardo at Oak and Stone and say, hey, Thanks for the threads. You rock. That being said, let's get to the hella personality portion of the podcast because I think that there's some interesting things that I've been thinking about and reading about recently, and I'm going to relate this to some experiences I've had uh, in the past weekend, really. Now, I'm always getting a steady trickle of uh, harassment online, right? People DM me about my looks, about my face, about, you know, who I'm friends with. And it's often fun for me. It's like a video game to like respond and go, you know, either kind of, I have my little range of notes that I respond with, which is like pointing out that you're an anonymous profile with, 
no avatar, so you can kind of dismiss those people out of hand. I'll categorize people based on their looks if they attack my physical appearance and say, you know, here's you if you put a profile pic on your Instagram profile. Um, now, I normally don't post most of it because I assume it's boring. It's also negative. I post a lot of stories to my story that are like meme-based. They're real-based. They're lighthearted and fun because generally I think that you should use social media, or like I feel for me, I want to use social media to spread some sort of positivity and humor and irony and be self-deprecating. So I think that's always lost on what I would consider the haters. And if you're new to this channel, this is your first time listening, or you didn't hear the explanation to begin with of why I named the show Haters Will Say. It's an ironic planned words that started with me having fun with this phrase, playing a character that's sort of cocky or, uh, uh, you know, if, if people use the phrase haters will say or are obsessed with their haters, it implies some sort of self-obsession or narcissism that, in my opinion, I don't have, but it's easy to believe that just based on my appearance I've come out uh, to find out. So shortly thereafter, a few months after that, I appeared on the, the Fighter and the Kid for the first time, June of last year, I wanna say, either May or June, and instantaneously, I was bombarded with, I wanna use synonyms for hate, because it's like, what it, does that mean? Excessive online criticism, irrational criticism, um, like animus-driven comments that seemingly don't stem from anything that I've done as far as a moral transgression because I appeared on a show and tried to give workout and uh, workout advice and basic anabolic advice in a sort of safe and responsible fashion. So looking at that morally, I go, well, to me, I was trying to help people sort of uh, be safe out there and not make the same mistakes that I did. So if that results in you going to my YouTube page and, you know, by the hundreds or thousands and leaving all sorts of negative comments telling me I'm the worst actor of all time when obviously I'm not. Casey is. Just kidding. Oh, my God. I say, had to, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I slipped it in. But it's not true. Like, no, and I've not. never said I'm the best actor, but um, my perception of myself in that regard is, like, competence. And they'd also be doing it, like, on reels where it's like, Oh, cool that you're shitting on that reel that like got me an agent and like, you know, opened certain doors for me that you probably wouldn't realize because it looks like just a normal self-tape. But it's like, yeah, somebody found that online and did big things for me. So I've always been able to be resilient to some degree because of that, because the haters, quote unquote, which again, come from the fighter and the kids subreddit, which is a subreddit that I realized recently not a lot of people know about because the normal function of a Reddit, a Reddit subreddit is to kind of discuss a certain topic, right? That's generally. Now, within the world of entertainment, you can break it down and say, um, okay, on subreddits where you're discussing people and sort of uh, well-known figures or people on podcasts, it's probably gonna lean towards people who are more likely to criticize someone personally, right? Because any anytime that you have like multiple people on camera or you're discussing current events, it opens up the door to be like, He's wrong, he's stupid, I hate him, he treated him this way, he said this about that person, rather than like a more plates, more dates subreddit, I imagine is just more positive because it's like, here's a guy talking about chemistry and hair regrowth and stuff like that. So I accept the fact that some subreddits would naturally be more toxic. Now, the experience of, of, that I had and the experience that 
unanimously every person that I've ever showed the subreddit to or that have reached out and um, shown it to is one of shock. It's, it's one of, I had no idea. I mean, everybody kind of uses this blanket phrase to flatten things out. And even in sometimes when, you know, somebody like Brendan, who recently kind of talked about it for the first time because he wasn't wanting to address it before, the response of some people or the justification of the people who participate in this group coordinated harassment that goes beyond memes and jokes, even though they'll sort of define it as like, oh, he got mad about memes and now he's crying. Eh. Sort of gaslighting, isn't it? Because it's so much more than that and extends out into the real world. Uh, calling his wife to tell you know him that, tell her that the kids got in a car accident, um, calling comedy clubs, calling sponsors, really doing things to affect his business, his well-being, and his psychological health. And, you know, I'm sure there was an inflection point at some point. People would justify it, who talked to me in the subreddit, by going on about things like, well, he's become arrogant, or he's done this, and he's some, some justification of, he deserves this. My opinion is always, unless that person did something to you personally, you trying to harass them online, doesn't really make sense as a rebuttal. So, as I think about this stuff more and more, and as I, you know, I don't really go on there myself because I, get, I feel like I get enough of it, you know, which is like people calling me fig, sounds like fig, has an A in the middle, uh, BGL, which sounds for big gay line, which is fine, and I'll tell other people that nickname, and it's like, people go, oh, that's funny. It's like, yeah, it is funny. Now, if it's used thousands of times by people who are trying to antagonize you, it sort of becomes a symbol as a phrase for, hey, I'm about to start some shit with you, right? So I've also calibrated really well when people message me um, whether or not they're from the subreddit because of how they act. They act really entitled. So even if they're trying to be nice to me, they'll do things like demand answers or even subtle differences like they go, instead of asking a big question like normal fans will sort of go, hey, Mark, I had a question about shoulder injuries and blah, 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 and lay it all out because they know I might not read it and you got a better chance of getting a response if you lay it all out. And subreddit guys will sort of put, uh, they'll go, hey, Mark, I have a question. I'll leave it at that. It's like, all right, now I have to answer to get the, you know, what do you want? And then on top of that, they'll have little like rude or backhanded things that they say that I just, I've gotten so good at where I'm like, I know instantly this person is going to end up calling me BGL or say that it's like an acting or say that my podcast sucks or say it doesn't get enough views and I'll call them out and they'll deny it and be like, no, I'm not from the subreddit. And then like it ends with like, yeah, that's why your podcast sucks and it doesn't get any views and you're on steroids and you have um, Botox in your face and you have lip fillers in your lips. And it's like, oh, but I called that. You can't do anything to me now because I, I called it out. So long-winded intro and explanation to me thinking about the kind of behavior that we're witnessing and how a, being in a group and having anonymity specifically because none of these Reddit users ever talk about their identity. A guy challenged me to a fight today. He was like, Mark, this isn't a threat, but like we should set up a, uh, I'm about your height. And because um, somebody else suggested like, you should do MMA with keyboard warriors. I'm like, that's hilarious. Like keyboard warriors, people who are talking shit to me. This guy was polite and from the subreddit, and he's like, to prove your point, we can do like a kickboxing match because I train kickboxing and jujitsu. But he's doing it from an anonymous profile without his name, um, no picture, two followers. And it's like, first of all, you're not the person that 
I'm talking about. You're not harassing me. And like, maybe you do do martial arts. I hope so, because it's, it's apparent in how you deal with people. You came at me with respect and said, hey, Mark, like, this is not a threat. It's like a friendly offer. Cool. I never said I'm into, like, I just want to have a kickboxing match with some random person, right? And it also correlates with like, guys will go, well, you should fight. Like, we'll get to this thing. And it's like, I'll beat your ass. No, I'll beat your ass. And they go, fly out to Lexington, to K Kentucky, you know, fly out to Naples, Florida, like fly out to buttfuck Georgia and fight me. It's like, I never expressed interest in doing that. If you're really that set on causing harm to me, I assume you'd put more thought and energy into it than come out to my city in the middle of nowhere and attack me. No, what? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And you're delusional if you think that's going to happen. So... The overarching pattern of this stuff, by the way, because like the unique thing that, that put me onto this, you know, idea and this labeling of the fighter and the kid subreddit as psychopathic behavior was actually a video by Jesse on fire. And maybe we can insert it here. You have to see everything that happens on the outside with the backdrop of this insane harassment campaign going on behind it, because it, it's like it quickly goes from. Brendan being this huge, successful, whatever, taking out a small YouTube channel to Brendan being the victim of an incredibly large, coordinated harassment campaign that goes way beyond. Like, you know, the stuff I was talking about earlier about it being fashionable to hate on shop. This is, it goes fucking way beyond that. This is shit that no one should think is okay. No one, like no one who's even moderately sane should be down with that shit. And if you're in that group, you should fucking get out. You know, what he's saying is like, this is above and beyond and it's psycho shit and it's crazy. And if you have any sort of conscious, you should stop. I started looking up like, do people behave like psychos online or whatever? What's this like relationship between anonymity and psychopathic behavior? Because I'm not saying these people are actual psychopaths, but they get online and they behave like this. Here was a little thing I found interesting from an article um, about the correlation between uh, harassing or hating, it literally just like hating comments online and psychopathic traits. Despite growing prevalence of derogatory online behavior, still little is known about psychological factors underlying this negative phenomenon. In the present study, we aim to compare characteristics of persons who post hating and non-hating comments about Polish sports players during Winter Olympic Games in Pyongyang. Pyeongchang. <laughs> it says Pyeongchang here. I don't know if it's Pyongyang. Uh, Pyeongchang. Uh, why would it be in Pyongyang? God, I'm stupid. Um, so it must be, right? Is that correct? Uh, I wish I knew more stuff about the world. It was the Winter Olympics in 2018. You do your research so I don't have to. 94 internet users, 41% women, participated in the study, among which 46 posted hating comments. After one month, participants were invited to take part in a psychological survey and fill the dark triad questionnaire. Do we know what the dark triad is? It's narcissism, sociopathy, slash psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. Now, I believe cluster B personality traits is something different and includes borderline personalities. B for bad, they say. Um, we've talked about borderline. I don't know if we got an in-depth, you know, deep dive into narcissism per se, but that would be interesting because so many people call me a narcissist online, and I believe that's 
sort of uh, indicative of a lack of understanding of what it means to be a narcissist, a narcissist and specifically the, uh, the weight that you must give to people being exploitative versus merely, you're vain. It's like a, you know, a 15-year-old's understanding of narcissism. After one month, participants were invited to take, uh, after one month, <laughs> uh, uh, dark triad, there I was, okay, and filled the dark triad questionnaire, the satisfaction with life scale, the scale of frustration, and the scale of envy. Results showed that high scores in psychopathy subscale were significant predictors of posting hating comments online. High scores on the envy scale were marginally significant. So, significant predictors were, uh, uh, you know, high scores in psychopathy uh, were indicative and predictive of uh, hater comments, and envy also played a part. So it kind of, it was a secondary um, predictor. Our findings provide initial evidence that persons who engage in derogatory online behavior have a high level of psychopathy, but contrary to previous studies, do not have lev elevated levels of other traits commonly associated with disruptive behavior. Our research is one of the first to establish the psychological background of online haters while setting a clear line between online hating and other derogatory online behaviors, um, such as hate speech, right? So I thought that was interesting because it sort of checks out this is something that you could apply to yourself if you don't feel remorse, if you attack people. And, um, you know, again, I, it's hard for me to relate to leaving such negative comments and also going repeatedly at people. And I'm going to set this up with the kinds of behaviors that I'm experiencing this weekend. It's not too out of the norm, but it was sort of like an escalation of that because in my last podcast episode, I defined the word bully. I guess that triggered a lot of people in the Fighter and the Kids subreddit because I had a huge uptick in harassment as I also went on to defend uh, my friend Brendan uh, in his, uh, you know, drama situation in which I believe 100% he's in the right and I will continue to defend him if anybody asks about it. Now, the things that I received this past weekend included threatening phone calls to my mother. Uh, where they left voicemails, you know, saying, fuck Mark Carley. She's a 73-year-old retired art teacher. <laughs> Which, like, that didn't bother her, if I, you know, but it got me thinking, because she goes, who is this, who are these people calling? Like, because I assume in her mind, she's like, are you into drugs now? Like, is this the cartel? Right, my mom panics in that way, but it's not like, she's not like paranoid. She's not going to be like, do I have to watch? Like, you're not going to beat up my mom. Let's be real. You're not going to beat me up either, but like, you know, <laughs> that's because you couldn't if you tried, but you can't beat up my mom. I think you would not do that. It would be too, you don't hate me that much. You don't have that much, but you want to scare her and you want to scare me and you want to send a message to me. So I understand where that's coming from. The funny part was and the remorseless part is when you see people doing that and I point that out because I started posting more to my stories, the exact comments, people harassing me, people, um, ruthlessly sort of mocking my appearance in a way that I believe they think they're getting to me. But, you know, if you were sitting there and putting your finger on my pulse, you'd see like, uh, I, you know, nothing's going on psychologically that would be outside of a normal stimulated state. I write really fast and people go, you write so much, you must be angry. And my rebuttal would be like, yes, every 10 page essay I wrote in college, I was angry. 
You know how pissed I had to get to write this PhD doctorate? You know every one of your favorite novelists was fueled by anger? That's the only way you can write more than one sentence. So it's this stupid teenage logic of like, if you take a few sentences to describe why the person who's ruthlessly mocking your appearance or career or friends or family, if you describe that and give it to them, they go, oh, see, you're angry and that's bad and I won. Uh, I don't think that is what you think it is. So that was one thing and the double down happened because I point that out, I put it online and then what started to happen because on one story, I accidentally put grandma. I'm writing things quickly. My 73-year-old grandma. She also is 72, but she's turning 73 next week. Um, or may, uh, Yeah, I'm not going to give her exact birthday. Don't want any fuel for that. Uh, you know, you hacking into her shit. Because she has gotten hacked before. And uh, she has been scammed. She's an old lady who was scammed for thousands of dollars. In one of those, like, Amazon card things. And I, you know, that, like, so knowing that and how I felt in that situation the anger that I felt, the rage that I felt knowing somebody like coerced my mom into giving them her retirement money, like that would make me actually want to seek out and kill somebody. You telling me that I have lip fillers and uh, my face looks weird or it's like the uncanny valley or something like that or you know that I'm not a good enough actor for an anonymous person online who's never done the job before, that turns out kind of, you know, doesn't really affect my mental state besides a desire to clap back and making that into a fun game. When I posted it online, people started saying, he's lying about it. Oh my God, is it your grandma or is it your mom? Obviously he's making this up. That can't be real. How do you know it's from the subreddit, right? Denial of actually doing it without any evidence, right? Aside from me going, grandma, mom, yes, I messed up one time. And that was enough um, to spark a conspiracy theory that I was making that up as if I'm the type of person who would be capable of doing that. And anytime somebody makes a wild accusation like that, I always go, it's not, that's not evidence that I think like that or would do that. That's evidence that you think like that and would do that. The next thing was they, somebody somehow figured out, well, I guess it's on my page that my dad died in 2009 while doing an open water swim in a series of open water swims because he grew up, as I probably mentioned on this podcast before, he, uh, and well, I mentioned it last week, actually, the details. <laughs> Big old brain fart because I realized I did talk about how he died, but it's also like if you, you can Google it, I think, in his obituary, it says he died during an open water swim, doing what he loved. I think that's really cool. It's unfortunate that he had a heart attack, but like the last few years of his life were very happy because he'd gotten obese and gotten overweight and, and had a lot of health issues related to that, high cholesterol, blood pressure, and, uh, you know, diabetes. And he just seemed a lot happier exercising and getting really into, again, you don't have to lift weights, you don't have to do anything, even run or whatever. His thing was swimming. And I always remember him coming back from these swims just in an incredible mood. Um, bragging about how many laps he's like, oh yeah, I did, you know, 10,000 yards today. Like, and you could tell he was really proud and really happy and really in a good mood versus I can remember the times when he was under tremendous stress um, and not working out and how different those moods are. And so that's part of my message to people like, you know, who are in crisis or need to turn their, their life around. Yes, you might end up having a heart attack that never would have gone away because the plaque in your arteries, you know, was there from the damage that you did while you were having that extended period of overeating and not exercising, but 
the quality of life that you can give yourself, you know, by turning that around is tremendous. And I've seen it and I have a lot of empathy for people who are overweight. Um, so <laughs> people started using that. People started going, that's why your dad drowned himself because he hated you so much or whatever. And again, it's another thing where it's like, it doesn't even register a blip on my radar emotionally. But now I know there's a line in the sand where you can go, hey, other members, this is a member of yours. He's speaking in the subreddit language. He's speaking um, you know, on behalf of your group, not an outlier, right? Maybe slightly more extreme or maybe you disagree with this, but he's one of hundreds just over the course of a few days, leaving thousands of comments uh, on me, on, in DMs, on the TFAK, on the, you know, all over the place, I can say collectively thousands of comments, you know. And that kind of becomes the shorthand for like, we are trying to cause you psychological harm. We're attempting to do that. Luckily, I'm in a position where I'm more psychologically resilient than that, but you know, people have killed themselves over much less, right? And that's just the truth. I'm lucky that I've, this, the, the uh, ship has sailed from the point in my life when something like that would have bothered me. And also, you know, it's funny, because here's a narrative, Casey, that people always say, um, they'll be like, you take steroids because you're so self-hating. Or like, he was a skinny theater dork because they've seen like videos of me when I try to get down to like 200 pounds by, you know, running every day, for example. And so it was interesting seeing people like wildly misinterpret this thing like, oh no, no, I was there. Like, I was 250 at the age of 18. And then I was running away from that because I was insecure about being perceived as an unintelligent meathead, right? And I wanted a physique that didn't draw any attention to itself. And I experimented with that and ultimately found, I really like lifting weights. You know, started with TRT when I was like 34. And the physique that you see now is actually representative of my current comfort level with how I've always seen myself. So the current me, from my perspective, is going, you are a meathead. Who gives a shit if people project onto you? You've arrived at this place where I like being the size that I am. Maybe I'd like to even be a little bit smaller. There's no endless search to get bigger. I usually look in the mirror and go like, I could probably lose a few pounds of muscle because I'd fit in clothes better and uh, look less bulky on camera. Those are the type of thoughts that I have. I don't have like an eating disorder or body dysmorphia. I pretty much see myself as exactly like I am in pictures and how other people perceive me. Um, and I know what it's like to have elements of body dysmorphia because when I was first 18 and trying to uh, you know, take steroids to get bigger, there was this element of looking in the mirror and going, fuck, I'm 250, but I'm skinny. And I, I don't like the way I look. Oh my God, my arm looks small. I remember having those thoughts. I don't have those thoughts anymore. And I feel very grateful for that. And I empathize with anybody who really looks in the mirror and doesn't see something that represents reality because you can't speak logic or reason into those people's minds, right? So I just wanted to address that because I think it's funny, but it's like, if you're attacking me and I say that, it's like, it sounds like it's going like, no, I'm not, I'm not insecure. But like, yeah, at one point I was, and I'm insecure now about other things, but like my body, like, I, you know, <laughs> I went off steroids during the pandemic. I was totally fine with my body. As long as I'm lean, I'm actually like, oh, I, I, arguably I look way better, you know, just looking like 215 or 20 pounds. You know, you can do a lot more things, but I've made this decision. I know what I look like. And um, it's hard to attack me from that 
perspective, even though you're convinced your, you know, yourself that you're looking at somebody whose body is a representation of self-hatred, or that I hate my face and I've done anything, I've never had surgery on my face, I've never put an injection in my face, I've never put anything in my lips, but that's your narrative. And again, aside from the jokes that I always say about like, if you're looking at me and you think my lips have fillers in them, maybe you want to kiss me because you're gay. And that's probably true to some Your degree. lips have fillers in them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to go to gay bars now. And guys, you can make your lips have fillers. Can we make out? Um, but it's just one of those where I just like, I throw up my hands and other people see it's funny. So it's like, I don't feel the need to defend myself that much. But like, I have Botox. Can we see all the wrinkles in my face? What part of my face has Botox? I have a gaunt face. Like there's nothing in my cheekbones. Where is the, you know, like I have a little fat here. Why would I put Botox here, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I do like, you know, like all that can, you know, I like I, if I was gonna go Botox, I'd get it like right here. I would do it maybe someday if it starts to bother me. Right now, like my wrinkles don't really bother me. My pectoral asymmetry bothers me. So um, I open up with my dad, people start mocking me. And I go like, oh, thank you, Duke. Thank you for like showing me what the fighter and the kids subreddit, the level of toxicity. Because again, people go, everyone gets hate online. I'm like, no, 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 you're talking about like, eh, we all have tall buildings. It's like, this is a three-story building. That's the Empire State Building, right? The two aren't the same. Uh, you know, there's levels to this shit. And I've never personally seen anything as psychopathic as the TFATK subreddit. Because again, the, the key here is the remorse element. When you're thinking about psychopaths, one of the big defining factors is uh, there's no remorse, there's no anxiety, there's no conscience. And the behavior that I see lacks a conscience. It's really like a one in a thousand outlier that a Reddit guy will admit to having said mean things to me and turn around. It happens, it has happened a handful of times and I know for every person that expresses that to me, there's probably more that don't, but it's like, absolutely dwarfed by people who seem to exhibit no remorse about harassing, bullying me, who's only tertiary related to the thing that you'll go on and on and on about what a big problem you have with this person and why he's so terrible and racist and arrogant and beats kids. And, you know, it's like, first of all, that's not true. But like, you don't even seem to care about those things. You know, like you're this big advocate for whatever, you know, you can like, you're a pedophile and that's my big thing. It's like, oh yeah, you, so you must be really mad at the Catholic Church or you must do something outside of this online bullying activity to, you know, to also combat this thing that you seem to care so much about that you're justifying your own behavior. And of course, the coup de grace of that irony was when I made a video about bullying and the response to that was more bullying. I made a video defining bullying in a very reasonable way and said, you simply can't define this as bullying because it's somebody who apologized for attacking somebody who it turned out didn't have uh, you know, uh, any knowledge of the thing that the person was talking about. I made this analogy of like, you know, I think you ate my lunch because I saw you walking around with it and it disappeared, but you go, oh no, 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 I, I, I was walking around with it, but I put it in the microwave, I didn't eat it. And two seconds ago, you're like, fuck you, you took my lunch, I can't believe you, I thought you are my friend, and then you go, Oh, no, 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 it's in, the, it's in the microwave. You go, oh my God, dude, I, I'm so sorry. Is that bullying or is that anger in response to something? That distinction is very important. I made it and in response to that, I get bullied to show me how wrong I am about bullying. Oh, 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 kill me right now because that is the most ironic thing I could ever experience 
And that's what I live for. Lay me to rest. It doesn't get more ironic than that. And then if it escalates to you discovering in that same episode that I, uh, you know, uh, was thinking about my dead dad and how he died, specifically in water, and then you make a comment about that to mock me and say it was my fault because he hated me. Um, when we had, I was talking about my close relationship with him and then I block you and you make a profile that features a picture of my dad and splashing water and a reference to his death. Again, like it, it's just the response that I get is like, oh, like they can't stop. You don't have any remorse. You don't have a conscience and you're acting like a psychopath online and you should snap the fuck out of it because you're obviously not doing anything productive with your life and you're going to extreme, extreme degrees to try to make me feel bad. It isn't working, but guess what I get to do? Expose you publicly for the kinds of things that you do and the kinds of things that the other people in your 70,000 person group don't seem to have a problem with, right? The rebuttal to that that people will make is, um, Oh, well, your friends have done bad things. If you look at that and say that's too extreme, but you're still engaging in a small portion of it, you know, it's like saying like, like, uh, you know, like, yeah, those guys are stabbing way too much. Like I just stab people once and then I walk away. But like this, like this, okay, that's like an outlier. He stabbed 10 times. It's like, okay, it's 10 times worse, whatever. You're still advocating stabbing. I don't advocate stabbing or the thing, you know, that you're trying to say, you're bad because you, but I don't engage in that. So your ethical problem is with somebody else doing something that I don't do. If you feel I do the same thing and contribute to a, uh, a thing that needs a group, aka online bullying, you're part of the problem. So the response, I think, will be interesting for all the people who will inevitably watch this. Are you going to continue to contone this kind of behavior or not? Can you look at that and say, hey, that's wrong. And perhaps I've been indoctrinated into a group that left unchecked has tainted my way of thinking. And I encourage you all to watch a video by Jesse on Fire, the entire thing that breaks down and turns on its head the narrative that Brendan Schaub deserves the hate that he gets in the MMA community. And in fact, you should be ashamed of yourselves just for the sake of uh, the tiny, tiny, tiny number of guys who even leave MMA to find happiness in pursuit of anything after they enter a career in which you sacrifice your body and your brain and your youth for a fleeting chance at glory. And most of them don't make money. And most of them never become champion. The vast majority never become champion of any organization, let alone the biggest organization in the world. And you're going to laugh at somebody for going six and five. I had one winning record when I was in college playing football at the D3 level. Do you know how proud I am of going six and five at Pomona College in the Southern California Interscholastic Athletic Conference? It is my crowning moment of my entire football career, getting a sack against uh, Trinity College or Trinity University, whatever it is. <laughs> they had uh, gotten second place in the nation last year. They beat us 66 to nothing the year before and came in and we beat them and I got a sack like... I'm so proud of that. And nothing anybody says can take that away from me. And if you tried to by dismissing me, like, and what if I was like six and five in the best conference in the world? Like, 
I'd be like, are you insane? Like, we're talking about going up against Alabama and Georgia and the SEC, and, and you're mocking me for going six and five after only starting to play football when I was 16 or whatever the analogy is to somebody starting fighting when they're in their 20s. So Jesse on fire, his video about Brendan, I just, mm, mwah, he gets it, he nails it, and I think it's time for this narrative to start changing on him because that's the origin of it. You're here hating on me. Be honest with yourself. You never would have found me had it not been for him. And had you not found a way to psychologically justify your insane treatment in a group anonymously with this person, uh, you never would have ended up here making fake profiles, mocking the death of my father in a fake profile dedicated to my dead dad and how he died. Oh my God, how, what time are we at? 50. So let's finish it off with some, this is why we can't have nice chips. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. I'll be back next week. I'd like to say it's the only time I'm ever going to address it, but guess what? Now this is on behalf of my dead dad, okay? And I'm going to keep swimming. All right. So this guy says, um, the caption there is, what? Get big, they said. <laughs> There's something in the beginning that like, I just thought this was funny because I relate to it. Get big. It'll be fun, they say. So he can't fit in the shower. Now is he opening the whole thing? I don't know. But yes, this is the reality that a lot of people won't tell you about. Now, he's got great genetics. He probably was stocky to begin with. But like I was talking about earlier, does having huge muscles make you look cool in clothes? Well, if they're oak and stone clothes, sure. But uh, outside of that, you know, if you can layer them on top of each other and kind of look like, you know, maybe I've got snowboard pants on and I'm going to go for a, a, a sesh later, <laughs> you know, like who, like who knows, like long hair, layered clothes, snowboard pants. Like I'm about to rip the park, dude. Um, keep that in mind before you gain 50 pounds of muscle, there might be some downsides to it. You might not be able to fit into suits off the rack. Oh no. What's the next one there? This is uh, a little something-something that I'm going to call the butt row, okay? So he puts that handle that you normally put under the barbell. Uh, if, you're, if you've done a lot of back work at a gym, you know what I'm talking about. But this guy's ass cheeks are so tense and so strong that he's able to row this guy up and down just from the strength, the tension strength from this guy's butt cheeks clamping together. Is there a name for that, like clamping strength? You know, it's like... Uh, there's different kinds of like strength or force or grip strength. I guess, yeah, it's, it's your ass cheeks grip strength. That's what we're looking at. And this guy has it in spades. I want to know your glute routine, buddy. So this girl is coming up. She's trying to get a leg workout in. I know you ladies relate to this. This guy sees her struggle for two seconds and he's titty spotting her. It's too much. It's wrong. Guys, don't ever spot by the titties. You got to do it on the ass cheeks. All right, next one. I'm calling this curling tutorial gone wrong. The per personal trainer said, don't, don't swing it. Go up and, and you know, what you're going to want to do is, ah, he can't handle it. He goes up, takes the weight out of the guy's hands. It immediately drops to the floor, almost like a lead weight because he's trying to curl a lead weight. It seems staged, but also they did a great job of making me think it's not because of this like closed, you know, circuit uh, camera footage. All right, let's go to the next one. We're at an outdoor Olympic weightlifting event. This guy's about to snatch a pretty decent amount of weight. 
He explodes, gets it overhead. Oh, it's off balance. Oh no, he has to run forward to catch it. And he throws it on a spectator. <laughs> like <laughs> that could have been avoided in so many ways. If you're at that point, you got to duck under it, right? So this is why we can't have outdoor <laughs> snatching events because um, at the end too, Casey, it looks like he's destroying it at him. Maybe this guy had a vindictive issue with this guy. He's like, oh yeah? You think you're gonna bang my wife and get away with it? I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> I specially invited you to sit in the front row. Actually, the guy's taking a picture, it looks like. So like everyone's self-aware, he's like, oh. And he doesn't react to the very last moment because why would you expect somebody to throw 300 pounds at your head at a lifting event? What's the next one? Smith Machinist for betas. A gym phase I recommend skipping. The guy sits down and does incline, takes his chain out. At first I thought he was gonna say, Lifting with your chain is a phase I avoid lifting, but he goes, thinking that the Smith machine is for betas. Couldn't agree more. Had a great chest workout the other day in which I did really high incline presses on a Smith machine where you bring it up to your neck. Love rowing with the Smith machine too. Don't be afraid. It's got like a stigma, but it's actually really useful. This one, could it be the worst spot ever? This person comes down. He's got somebody, is that a man or woman? I don't know, but... He struggles and it comes, it's like the worst lift ever, but it's also the worst spot ever because they got their arms here, they're out to lunch and the reaction time on it, you know, when you're dealing with a heavy barbell near somebody's neck, you gotta be on top of it. Even if your hands aren't there, you gotta be ready to spring into action and that second delay is obviously what killed this teenage person. Rest in peace. I title this the craziest lift ever. I love this trend of just like adding more stuff onto uh, a lift that you're doing, like you're on a skateboard doing a kickflip while deadlifting or whatever it is. This guy's going up to a barbell. He's got a safety bar on his back and chains and all that normal stuff we've seen before in these crazy videos, except what else he got? He's got a planet like, like solar system model over his head. He's got like game cards everywhere. What else is there, Casey? Can you see? Like, it's just like random junk from his garage all over the place. <laughs> it looks hard. like a, it's a science project on his right. head, and then that's ultimately. That's a good way to put it. He's like a human lifting science project, um, and I feel like this might be the culmination of all did these kinds of Did you say the GameCube? Did <laughs> no, you mention that? I think so that's got like a an old GameCube. Yeah. So I just got to give it up to this guy because you have beaten this trend, right? You like maxed out the trend. Um, not to be mistaken with maxing out the trend, which I've done because I am on trend, guys. I hate to break it to you, but I've been on trend my entire life and I'm never getting off. And if you say that I'm an addict, fuck you. I don't need an intervention, all right? I'm gonna be on trend to the day I die, which is probably gonna be next year because trend is dangerous. Don't do it, kids, unless you wanna look like me.